And now we're going to have our Bible reading, which Eleanor, representing Hartford Church of England High School, is going to come and read for us now. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Thank you very much, Eleanor. In a moment, John, uh, who's our associate vicar here and uh, relatively recently joined our team, maybe the first time that some of you have met him. Uh, John himself served in the RAF for a number of years, so uh, it's particularly appropriate that he's going to be speaking to us uh, this morning. Father, we do ask that this morning uh, you would speak to each one of us gathered in this place by the power of your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. I can still uh, remember being aware of the poignancy of the words uh, for the first time. I was about 15 years old. I was on a school trip to the First World War battlefields in uh, Belgium and and northern France. Maybe some of you have done something similar. And I remember being in the cemeteries, struggling to take it all in. Row after row, cross next to cross, grave after grave. And as my eyes randomly took in the details inscribed on the gravestone, they lingered on one just for slightly longer. On it was a simple inscription chiseled into the stone. Greater love hath no man than this that he lay down his life for his friends. As we've heard, those are words that are chiseled onto the stone of our own war memorial outside. But on that day in 1989, I found that those words, words that I'd heard somewhere before, took on a new poignancy for me. I stood towards the end of that conflict-filled century, looking back on stark reminders of the devastation and pain that had occurred towards the beginning of that century and indeed throughout it. And I struggled, as indeed I still do. I struggle to take it all in. As you've heard before working for a church, I used to be in the Royal Air Force. I served for 16 years. And whether I'm thinking of my grandparents and my great-grandparents' generation or whether I am thinking of some of my mates who never made it back from Afghanistan, I find these words 
incredibly moving. Greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Whatever the rights and wrongs have been over different conflicts, men and women have given themselves selflessly. Some have died. Some survive. Some survive but bear terrible scars, physical injuries, as well as the mental ones. And our annual two-minute silence often seems a small price to pay, doesn't it, to remember their sacrifice. But what do we do when we are quiet? What emotions do we feel? What should we be thinking about in that moment? Should we be grateful or or should we grieve? Should we be proud or, or do we hang our heads in shame? Are we thinking of brave heroes or are we thinking of evil enemies? And in some way, all of those responses are appropriate, aren't they? Because war brings out both the best and the worst in us as humans. So we can think of heroic sacrifice and we can be grateful for it. But we also have to acknowledge the tragic loss and the waste of human life. Lives that are made in the image of our almighty creator God. Which, of course, begs another question, doesn't it? Why? Why such loss? Why such tragedy? What causes war? Well, we tend to think of war as something that is removed from us. It's removed in time. You know, it's, it's far away in time, isn't it? It's, it's back then. It's 14 to 18. It's 39 to 45. It's 82. It's 91. It's to start 2001, 2003. It's back in time. It's not now. Or if we don't think of it back in time, we tend to think of it away from us. It's over there. It was was France. It was was Germany. It was the South Atlantic. It was the Middle East. It's it's far away. But friends, the true view of war is neither of those things. The problem of war, the cause of war, starts in here. Starts in here right now. Let's take a look at this video. If I should die, think only this. bullet flew by that did not miss. What story of the war is told? Romance bright or horror cold? Triumph's tale or tragic loss? The iron or the wooden cross? Lost lament or victor's boast? Full brass band or lone last post? Heroes, villains, cowards, kings, it's war. It's all these things. It's us, unleashed for good and ill, the gallant heart, the savage will, a Kaiser's pride, a nation's fear, a global greed. It's all in here. What causes war, the old book asks. Beyond the history, beneath the masks, begins a want, becomes a will, demands its way, prepares to kill. 
The wars we mark as long ago are close to home. They're all we know. What ceases war? The pressing question. What can halt inborn aggression? To end all wars and retribution, war itself is no solution. Can terror end all terror now? Brute force subdue itself and bow? Can darkness drive out darkened dread? Or death extinguish death instead? We need to interrupt the spiral, find the anti-retroviral. The story is told of anti-Zeus, a god of peace, made human truce. Into our world, into our midst, a walking, talking armistice. A king now meek, his power made weak, to stand and turn the other cheek. To take the blow, absorb disgrace, then rise to give again his face in grace undimmed and arms unfurled, to bless and pacify the world. And you, to sweet surrender brought, forgiveness for your battles fought, peace to pass to every soul, then warfare ceased from pole to pole. in there isn't there and if you want to watch it again you can just search online just search to end all wars uh, by Glenn Scrivener put that into Google and that will get you there but he answers two important questions there firstly what causes war and he says a want becomes a will demands its way and prepares to kill it's our desires our wants our, our selfishness that's what causes war and then that second question crucial question what ceases war? What can interrupt this, this deadly, this devastating pattern that seems to happen with alarming regularity? And he talks there about an anti-Zeus, a God of peace. God of peace who has come into our midst and is a walking, talking armistice. See, what Glenn Scrivener in that video does so well is that he points us to Jesus. This is Jesus he is talking about. And Jesus is the, the very man who uttered those words. Greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. But here's the thing. Although poignant and appropriate for gravestones and for our war memorial, such things weren't primarily in Jesus' mind when he first uttered those words. So let me just briefly share with you three things about this greater love that Jesus is actually talking about. These three things come from the passage that we heard read earlier. Firstly, this, this love is a love that helps us to serve each other sacrificially. Jesus says that the greater love lays down its life for others. Love can go no further than laying down its life for others, can it? And, and for most of us, uh, we're not called, though, to, to lay down our lives in some heroic kind of take-a-bullet manner. No, most of us are actually called to something a lot more difficult. We are called to lay down our lives in life and not in death and that means every day 
means at home, it means in our schools, it means in our workplaces, in our families, in every uh, situation. Giving our time, giving our energy, giving our, our patience, our, our care, our attention to the needs, to the, to the interests, to the service of others. Greater love is a love that says you matter more. You matter more than I do. It's not about me. It says when our desires and our wants compete, it says you take priority, not me. Imagine if this love could take root in our lives, in our fights with brothers and sisters, or husbands and wives, in conflict with with friends and neighbours. Imagine if this love could take root in our battles with work colleagues. Yes, even in international relations between countries, even at global summits. Imagine if this kind of love could take root. How we ne- the world needs a love that serves others sacrificially. Secondly, this greater love we see is a love that brings joy. Verse 11, Jesus says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Jesus' greater love brings complete joy. But that's actually counter, completely counterintuitive to us, isn't it? We don't get joy and, and pleasure and satisfaction, we tell ourselves, from doing uh, what others want or need. We do it from doing what we want and, and what we need and, and when we need to do it. We put our own needs first, don't we? That's what brings us most joy, right? Me, me, me serving myself. I'll play on that Xbox whenever I want, for as long as I want, regardless of what other things need happening in the family. I'll do whatever it takes to secure that promotion, even if it means putting other people down, even if it means, you know, a little white lie just to make them look a little bit bad. I'll indulge in a little bit of this or a little bit of that, knowing full well that my actions have implications and are hurting other people. I'll do what I want, but my want becomes a will. And my will demands its way, and then it prepares to kill. Bizarrely, and somewhat counterintuitively, sacrificial giving actually brings us greater joy in this life. Jesus himself said it is more blessed to give than receive. And so I think, uh, when I think of these sort of things, the times that I've actually managed to get a thoughtful gift for somebody. You know, I'm not talking about a gift voucher here, but, you know, actually put a little bit of thought into a gift. And I've watched the reaction of when that gift has been given and how much that has been appreciated. Or maybe the gift has been a surprise, a surprise gift that has been really longed for. That joy is, is, is way better. That joy of giving is, is way better than that joy of receiving. And I'm not saying that the joy of receiving is no joy at all, because we all know that there is joy in receiving as well. But think of other things. Perhaps you've given time to a neighbor. Perhaps you've helped their chores, the, the garden. You've done shopping when it's been needed. Perhaps you've helped those who can't help themselves through food banks, in nursing homes, through care during the day. Perhaps recently you haven't really had time for that phone conversation. But you've given that phone, you've given that time, and you've listened to somebody in need. There is a much deeper joy in that 
than that which comes from only serving ourselves. And we all want joy, don't we? We all want joy and satisfaction in our lives, and we want that joy and satisfaction to last. The problem is it doesn't last. All those things, whether there's the joy in, in giving, the joy in receiving, all that, it doesn't last completely. It's temporary. So you see, ultimately, Jesus is talking about here a greater love that will bring a joy that lasts. It's not a temporary joy. He's talking about bringing a joy that is complete and permanent. Lastly, he's talking about love that brings friendship with God. See, Jesus says to every single one of us, your needs matter. Your needs matter. More to me, Jesus says, than my own. I came to die. Didn't want to die in some ways. I came to die for you. But this, because this is what the Father has declared, is the only way for you. His beloved, deeply precious children. This is the only way for you to come back into relationship with him. See, greater love, the love of Jesus, is a love that declares loudly, God is real and God cares. God is real and he cares about you. He came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. He is now with us through the person of his Holy Spirit, through his power. God is real and God cares. He came into this messy world to seek and to save the lost. And he did that. By dying this death, the death that each one of us deserves for all of the wrong things that we do. All the wrong things we think, the things we say, the things that we do. He did that. He died our death so that we could have full and lasting eternal joy with God. With God forever. Greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. How we thank God today for those who have done just that for us, to enjoy our freedoms. But the greatest love of all is the love of Jesus, the love of Jesus who laid down his life for you and for me, so that all who believe in him, his life, his death, and his resurrection, all who believe in him will not just enjoy freedom in this life, but freedom in relationship with God himself forever. And my prayer this morning is that if you don't yet know this greater love, you would seek him. For this love is a person. That you would seek him with all your heart. Let me pray. Father, as we stand shortly in silence and remember... We ask that you would help us to be grateful to all those who have given their lives for our freedom. But we also ask, Lord, that you would help us to examine our own hearts for desires that lead to conflict. And please, would you lead each one of us to a deep and lasting knowledge and joy that comes from the greater love of Jesus. We pray that in his name. Amen.